Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's that time of night. You can't stay up tight. So come and join the people and I'm feeling all right. Here on old. America. Oh, yeah. All right. Here we are. Uh, welcome back. So we're going to have maybe a little bit of fun in this first segment, mostly because there was a very popular Kevin Clean whole nother story that I aired last night on the License Bureau getting a license, a marriage license. Oh, is it funny? I don't know if you caught this, but Kevin Clean just happened to talk to the right person at the right time. And somehow Kevin is so good at that. So I'm going to play that in just a couple of minutes. And also in a few moments, we're going to replay an interview from the first hour with Crystal Abedin. She is someone that wrote a book talking about how uh, Internet celebrity works. It's an interesting thought, influencer, anti-influencers, finding fame online, trying to understand it all. Her book is one that will uh, talk about a couple of trends that we see. And maybe it'll help you understand what goes down in today's pop culture when it comes to that. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up real quick, and this is one of those stories that uh, really got me all worked up and upset, mostly because I've got two young children. I got a six-year-old and I got a six-month-old. Uh, they're growing so quick, it's just amazing. And every time I turn around, they look a little bit older. I think my six-year-old son would be able to maneuver his way around a scenario like this. But not at three. I think about the way he was at three and how difficult it would be for him to try to understand what is going on and what could be happening next. And KSDK did this story of a three-year-old that was left outdoors at the First Steps daycare in Farmington. I feel guilty that I trusted him with my little girl. Bishop says a parent was driving away from the daycare when she saw his daughter standing alone on the center side porch. The woman took this cell phone picture of the little girl. Uh, the mom declined to talk to us and asked. It's just sad. And it's really disturbing to see this little three-year-old girl, no jacket, just standing out there. Looks like, um, you know, just standing out there with a pink shirt and jeans, no hat. No gloves, no nothing, no protection from the elements. And when the snow was still on the ground, this is in the height of it being just deadly cold outside. 15 minutes outdoors like this. This is uh, could have 
This could have ended in a tragedy. She said, there's a little girl locked outside in the cold, no jacket on. She's sitting there crying. They're like, what are you talking about? They had no clue. Then they rush over and unlock the door and let her in. Holding back tears, Bishop calls the parent his daughter's lifesaver. Had it not been, like I said, for that parent and God putting her there to where she could pay close enough attention, our daughter wouldn't be here today. The disappointed dad says an hour later, the daycare's director called his wife. They apologized by saying, oh, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. Bishop has since... Yeah, not good. Not good. All right, so they're not talking to news. This um, Farmington Police Department apparently has been known that, uh, at least been shown that this has happened. Uh, the First Steps Daycare was called several times by KSDK. Uh, did not get an answer, apparently. But we got it on picture, and we see this happening, and there's really no other explanations besides they really screwed up. Uh, Channel 5 got a statement saying that uh, First Steps Daycare is a license-exempt facility operated by a religious organization is not subject to the same rules as a licensed facility. So keep that in mind. How many times we got to say this first steps daycare in Farmington left a three-year-old girl out in freezing temperatures below freezing temperatures for about 15 minutes. That is just terrible. Luckily this dad didn't show up to find his daughter in a condition that involved taking uh, paramedics out to try to revive her or anything. This is, just, it, it is, I mean, just, I think about this as a parent, and it, it scares me to think that something like this could happen to my kid. One mistake, one anything, them not paying attention. It's it's terrifying. It really is. There was a whole other story commentary from just yesterday we aired, and it was so good, and so many people liked it. I thought, you know, I want to do it again. Kevin Colleen just happened to catch the right person as he was waiting in line getting a marriage license. Take a listen to this. I'm standing in line at the metal detector, and I hear you say you're coming in to get your marriage license. I'm finna go get them right now. What's right. This, who, who are you gonna marry? What's the story? I fell in love with this girl about four years ago. What does your uh, fiance do for a living? She's a, she's a nurse. Well, she she always been in the in the health field, but she moved to Florida like 2005 or something like that, and she became a stripper. And she made a lot of money. She be, she became a stripper. Mm -hmm. And did you see her as a stripper? No, sir. I ain't see none of that. So that was before your time. But you like to dance for me now. That <laughs> before my time. Yeah. She's 48 years old now. She's too old to be stripping. Yeah, well. She, I'm going to put a pole in the house, though. <laughs> Got a 20-foot ceiling. How you going to put a pole up that high? Yeah. Does she know about this? Is that part yeah. of prenuptials? She know about everything. Now, you've been living with her for a few years? Oh, we stayed together. Yeah. Right. What? So many people don't get married. What makes you want to get married, get a I'm license? I'm in love with her. I'm 57 years old. I need to find me a wife. Like my daddy told me. You need to, he told me to find me a wife. I said, what do I need a wife for? No, he said, you get old, so you won't be by yourself. So you're, now you say to yourself, you don't want to be alone when you get old. I don't want to huh? be alone. I hate being by myself. Me and my guitar. I put the guitar down for her. I play them notes, though. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, well, yes, it sounds like you're very committed and you're ready to get the piece of paper and make it, it official. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Now, do you have any qualms at all? No. There, no reservations? No. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going in all steam, like the Titanic, full steam ahead. Like the what? Titanic, full steam ahead. You're going like the Titanic. Yeah, right. See, I'm a ex-Marine, and I take charge. I, I got to keep on marching, you hear me? Yes, true. It's a good thing that they have the Marriage License Bureau at City Hall. Those customers are the happiest people marching into the building. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. So he's moving ahead like the Titanic. Does he know how the Titanic ends? <laughs> oh, Kevin finds the best people for his whole other stories. That's a great one. When we come back right after the break, we're going to talk about Internet culture, Internet influencers, uh, all things Internet. It's amazing to think that there's Internet celebrities, people that are wildly popular that you've never heard of. When you talk to someone under the age of 20, some of their favorite celebrities are probably Internet based. They might not be movie stars or TV or musicians or anything like that. Okay, you might have Beyonce or something like that, a very popular musician. But you look at the top 10, and it's amazing that they follow some of the largest content creators. So we're going to talk to someone about that right after the break. Her name is Crystal Abedin, and she wrote a book called Internet Celebrity, Understanding Fame Online. We'll talk to her right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinal's Open Live. Sponsored in part by Norm's Bargain Bar and Wilkie Windows. On your voice in the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. She's an associate professor of Internet Studies at Curtin University in Australia, author of Mediated Interfaces, uh, The Body on Social Media, and The Rise of the Influencer and Anti-Influencer. I saw this one article in Vice. Crystal Abedin joins us live from Australia. How are you? Hi, Ryan. It's really, really nice to speak to you all the way from the future and time. You're so right about that, from the future. Mm -hmm. We had a guest from Israel last week, and our producer, Mike, asked if he can get advanced sports scores, being that that person was living in the future. Um, I thought it was a funny joke, but the the guests did not laugh at that, so that one kind of failed. I do, however, um, see that it's nice that you're joining us in the morning in Australia. (laughs) It is. We have survived the night. 25th February is still looking pretty okay here. Oh, not bad. I, I like the idea of Internet culture. A lot of people have studied and have tried to learn Internet culture. Um, some people have tried to take advantage of Internet culture. The, and I saw this one Vice article, and you were quoted inside of it, the rise of the anti-influencer influencer. So I mm-hmm. thought about this as my audience. Normally, I look at the demographics and I think, OK, they're probably at an age or maybe they're past their time when they paid attention to internet culture. It's like, you know, it's an afterthought to them. They use it for the internet for other things. And I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to bring someone on to talk about this type of culture, try to explain it to them so they can understand the headlines and things when it comes up. So can you kind of explain to us what is an internet influencer and why there is a rise of an anti-influencer? Sure. Maybe to put things into perspective, let's first consider this concept of an internet celebrity. An internet celebrity is basically anyone, anything, sometimes these are also your very lovely household pets, who have high visibility online. But the origins of this visibility and the moralities attached to these visibilities can differ. 
So some people go viral online for great reasons, helping out a fellow neighbor. Some people go viral for a scandal or causing a scene. Some people go viral because they've exhibited maybe a very talented skill. They've got exceptionalism. While others, maybe they're just really beautiful, gorgeous, cute, or fluffy to look at. There's a whole variety of reasons that people gain visibility online. The matter of the fact is, if you've got high visibility online, that makes you some sort of an internet celebrity. Now, a smaller group of these internet celebrities parlay this fame and are able to promote themselves long-term on social media to monetize this. These are likely the people we know as influencers. Primarily, what they do is to share snippets of their lifestyles, their habits, their backgrounds, their everyday happenings, really, across different social media platforms. They build a, a rapport with their followers and audiences. And once they've got a really good and solid audience, they then monetize this by using their lifestyles as a canvas to embed all sorts of different promotional messages. So you might be familiar, for instance, with YouTubers selling us makeup, Instagrammers promoting a restaurant, people on Twitter maybe um, promoting a political ideology. So the idea here is that they are endorsing and promoting something, trying to persuade you to make a decision about a thing based on that visibility and rapport that they have with you. So that is the influencer. So in the past, before, it would be some celebrity that was in a movie holding up a soft drink or a something like that. But today's world with the internet, it could be them just trying to get you to clink, click a link or buy makeup or whatever it might be. It's, it's very similar to that sense, except the range of things that they could be pushing or promoting could be anything at this point. That's absolutely right. But there's also one big effect to keep in mind. So celebrities are mostly people who have already honed their craft and acquired fame through some sort of skill, acting, singing, performing, and we know them in the mainstream entertainment industry. That is their day jobs, and if they're popular enough with the public, they might do these sorts of endorsements. Internet celebrities and influencers, though, these tend to start at the grassroots level as everyday, ordinary commoners like you and I. So there is an, an element of allure and attraction to watch someone rise to fame, to feel that by watching them, subscribing, liking, following, commenting, you're contributing to building up that fame that they have. Also, because they're everyday people like you and I, when they persuade us with specific messages and ideologies, we are more likely to relate to them and believe them. An example I always give my students is if a big shot celebrity like Angelina Jolie tries to sell me skin cream, I'm going to have these impressions that she probably already has a perfect regime, she's amazing, she's a really healthy person, and maybe that works for her because she's just more superhuman than I am. But when an influencer does it, if there is someone who goes behind the scenes, talks through all their troubles, their struggles with maybe acne or dry skin, and I can witness that transformation from an everyday commoner, then I am more persuaded that surely this thing must also work for me. So that relatability of the ordinary person, that's very important. Yeah, that's interesting. Today, when they do studies about celebrities, it seems like internet personalities, depending on your age, if you're under the age of like 20, the top 
10 celebrities that you know of might be internet celebrities. And if you're over the age of 40, you probably don't know who those top 10 are or 50 or whatever the age may be. There's just like this breakdown where the, who, what people look at as influencers or celebrity or whatever it may be, uh, it's a different world depending on how old you are. And I wonder with a younger generation who is so much into this sort of culture, a lot of them strive to be influencers. They want to be internet famous. They want all of that for themselves and they think they can do that sort of thing. Does that play a factor when they feel like they're a part of it? Like it's almost like maybe getting into an influencer's world maybe makes them feel like they're a little bit more into that world too? Well, that may be the case for some young people who are doing this because it's the thing of their generation, their cohort, or because they do desire that fame. But I think a more fair assessment would be to consider the variety of young people who are using social media visibilities for various causes. So many young people who spend a lot of effort to make a viral TikTok Instagram posts or YouTube posts often already come with a cause that they want to support. It is not uncommon for these to be causes related to their personal identities, their own background, something they really believe in. Um, and sometimes when they meet like-minded others and come together as an online community, they might just want to spread more information about what it's like growing up like them, to find mutual social support, to find others like them, or simply to just include more diversity and inclusivity in their social media diet. So I would say that not every single young person does this just because they want to get famous online. Who's the most famous person in Australia? Do you pay attention a lot to American celebrities? Oh, for sure. So my research requires me to always be on top of my game in the Asia Pacific region. And for that reason, I focus a lot on cross-cultural comparisons. In Australia, really depending on the genre, the age group and the demographic that we're looking at, there are dozens of top influencers. My personal favorite um, is an Instagram influencer known as Celeste Barber. She is um, middle-aged, a woman who is so good with comedy. She parodies influencers, um, their body image, the way they address their perfection. And she somehow also manages to use all of her visibility and fame online for philanthropy, charity, promoting various social causes. So I think this is really breaking the stereotype that influencers are just young, rich women doing vain things online, because <laughs> certainly above and beyond that, there is such a great variety of these behaviors and practices. Wow. I probably know some of the big names. I have not heard of her work before, but just sometimes large YouTubers find themselves in the news and I'll read about them. I may see them on trending and I might kind of have an idea who they are, but really don't know what they're all about. And that's interesting to me to see millions of views in the things that people do for them. And then sometimes the philanthropy uh, that, that is associated with it, like one YouTuber, Mr. Beast is known specifically for that. He's always like, you know, giving stuff away, planting trees and all this stuff. So sometimes they do cross over into the news. And I don't think a lot of people realize that there are people doing good with the power that they've acquired. Now, consequently, there's also people doing bad things, like things that you would never want to associate yourself with in the past. Um, that seems to happen a lot, too. For sure. I think we have to remember that the newer cohorts of Internet celebrities and young people are literally born into the Internet age. 
So I'm a millennial. I remember learning to use my first computer when I was six. I learned to use my first mobile phone when I was 11. But young people these days, kindergartners, they flip through iPads, they go through magazines and try to swipe left and right. Technology and immersion in internet culture is just something that is of their generation. For that reason, though, we also have to remember that the types of images and messages that they experience are coming at them at a greater variety and at a greater speed. So one of the main consequences of this is that our thresholds for what causes outrage, for what attracts our attention, for what makes us question morality is also shifting. It would be that 10 years ago, maybe an influencer um, in a bikini or a male influencer who's um, bare-bodied showing off his abs might be causing controversy, even in the Asia-Pacific region. People might be heaping lots of unkind comments on them. Today, though, there are different movements along the lines of body positivity. There are different moral boundaries and thresholds for what's acceptable in general society. And few people would bat an eyelid if we were to come across these images of people who are young adults anymore. So yeah, the shifting boundaries certainly allows us to understand why some influences keep trying to come up with ways to break the moral code, maybe intentionally engage in scandal to attract attention, or maybe just to even kickstart public conversation about what's allowable in society. Wow. So you've released a few books. Uh, Mediated Interfaces, is that your most recent one that you released? Mediated Interfaces is my fourth book. It's a co-edited collection together with two of my co-authors, Katie Warfield and Carolina Canberra. It's a really nice collection of essays from scholars around the world about how people present, perform, and use their bodies differently on social media. So if people wanted to look that up online or maybe any of the work that you're doing, what's a good place for them to uh, go to? Most of my research lives on my dedicated academic webpage at wishchris.com. Mm-hmm. And there you'll also be able to look at um, our fifth and latest book, Looking at Tumblr. Maybe those of us who are a little bit older might remember the glory days of Tumblr that used to be really popular in the 90s and the 2000s. Certainly, there's a lot of nostalgia attached to the blog as a format as social media has become more important. And that was a really fun exercise to review the history of this platform. Great. So do you mind holding on after the break? I'd love to keep talking to you about internet culture. For sure. Happy to be here. So what, a couple of things I, I want to ask you about after the break. Um, I, I think about when I was younger, and just, everything's so much more complicated now when it comes to things of pop culture. Maybe I'm just more aware of what goes on, and I was just more you know, naive back then, and it didn't really uh, hit me. But is it sustainable? Is it healthy uh, for the young generation to idolize the influencers? And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's bad. And it's hard for parents even to keep up because they don't know what's good or bad. There's drama. There's all kinds of things that go on. So uh, what's rewarded, what's not rewarded? It's a crazy world anymore, and it's good that we have you on tonight. Joining us is an associate professor of Internet Studies at Curtin University in Australia, author of Mediated Interfaces, and Chris Labadin will join us right after the break on Overnight America KMO. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael's Flooring Outlet.com on KMOX. 
Oh, this is real fun. Crystal Abedin is an associate professor of Internet Studies at Curtin University in Australia, where she joins us tonight in Australia. And she's the author of Internet Celebrity, Understanding Fame Online. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight, Crystal. I appreciate it. No worries, Ryan. It's been so fun chatting so far. Very happy to continue this. Yeah, I feel like life is so much more complicated today than it was when I was a kid because I think about what it was like to grow up before the internet and the internet was just starting to come up. And I, I remember when one of my friends got the internet and I was so like blown away. I was begging my parents, please let us get AOL. They'll give us 500 hours free. We just have to tie up the phone line forever. And then eventually, you know, it became more common, but um, I look at the way people soak in internet culture. And if I was of that age, I would have definitely have done the same thing. I was so enthralled by what was being given to me on these websites for free and the entertainment and the, you know, talking to friends on messenger. I couldn't believe what was happening here. But then I think about all the different things that are also welcomed in, you know, as a parent, I think about what my kids are going to have to go through when they become old enough and then they're going to want to become part of this culture too. And I think, you know, back then, at least there was a little bit of, it seemed a little healthier, but today it seems like there's so much uh, things that are brought in. It doesn't seem sustainable for keeping anyone's health uh, mental health or any type of health in mind. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that today's internet culture. Is it something that we should be concerned about? Well, I think internet culture is not a monolith. It is so diverse. So it really depends on exactly what we're looking at. I am of course aware that there's a lot of discourse and perception that social media addiction or being online all the time is not good for young people and their health. But you know, the same really can be said also for adults who might be plugged into our computers at work all day and then we go home and we're plugged into a television or a phone all night. Um, and I think sometimes when we focus only on young people, we forget to reflect on ourselves. But seeing as how it is my job to research the less studied aspects of internet culture, I'm also really happy to report that there are very good users of social media and online communities among young people that have helped them. So a case in point, many marginalized young people, sometimes from LGBT backgrounds, sometimes adoptees, sometimes migrants, people learning to live with a disability, often find like-minded others online and they strategize, pool resources, commiserate and find support among each other. And this may not have been possible without the internet and social media allowing us to connect across space and distance. So we sometimes forget that there are really a lot of benefits that have fundamentally changed our society today. I wonder when it comes to large mainstream entertainment outlets, they seem to want to capitalize on the certain trends that they see. And at the same time, they try to imitate it, but they always fail. There's very few in the corporate world that can imitate it successfully and actually make it feel like it's a genuine part of internet culture. So do you believe that mainstream news, mainstream entertainment will ever be a part of that? Or will that type of internet culture always be five steps ahead of them? Um, well, I would say that we are now in an age of constant borrowing and pilfering. Um, a case in point, we just had a really lovely chat about influencers earlier before the break. Um, and it's not uncommon for someone to go viral and then for brands to immediately either replicate that act of virality or to immediately contact them to chat about endorsements, sponsorships, representations. So big corporations, the mainstream entertainment industry, 
Jumping on the bandwagon of things that organically formed on social media is not new at all. At the same time, we have to remember that a lot of the logics of influencer cultures, a lot of the logics of social media visibilities are now being practiced in almost all aspects of life. Politicians are running social media pages and accounts to connect with citizens. Property agents are using YouTube videos to showcase their property. Um, and certainly here in Australia, as well as across the Asia Pacific, lots of journalists, reporters, radio hosts are making their own contents um, and podcasts, websites, newsletters. And a lot of these practices, the knowledges, the strategies for how to be seen online are borrowed from the influencer industry. I like that. So again, your book, if people wanted to find Internet Celebrity Understanding Fame Online, where can they look? Um, this is my first book that came out in 2018. It's published by Emerald Publishing. So if you put those keywords together, you should be able to find it. If not, I'm also online at richchris.com where you would see all my academic works housed. Which is great. And it's kind of uh, cool that as part of your job, you get to uh, do things like this. And I know you're taking time away from your job since you're in Australia. You're a day ahead of us. You're working. This is like the regular nine to five time for you. For us, it's like, you know, late time. Everyone's winding down, doing their own thing here in America. So I wanted to uh, thank you for joining us on uh, Overnight America here and connecting with we're in like 35, 36 different states here. So it's a huge pleasure to have you on. This has been such a joy. Thank you for having me on the show, Ryan. Very cool. And she joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Very exciting, huh? It's cool when we get to hook up with Australia. So where she is at, it would be 1.41 p.m. Yeah, no, 1.41 p.m. Yeah, if I'm doing that correctly. On the 25th, they're a day ahead of us. Trying to get all of this down. I know there's probably some people that can convert time zones in their head very quickly i just haven't met one of them yet i'm sure it's out there well we got one more segment left and i am a fan of going on twitter and seeing what's trending just for the sake of trending and fraser has been trending all night a lot of people have been talking about fraser coming back into uh streaming services the paramount plus or whatever it may be the toss salad and scrambled eggs show uh whatever Frazier Crane might be calling it in Chicago. I'm guessing that's where he's at when they start the series. Everyone's excited for it. I am excited, too. I just hope that they can bring back some of the old cast members. But we've got one more segment left. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. All right couple of things i wanted to uh, go over here just briefly and you can find these things online i posted this on my facebook page ryan wrecker radio on facebook you can get it right there but there was a forbes article that was posted and it was pretty concerning to say the least when they started to go through the latest covid spending bill the ones that the democrats are going to try to get voted in by the end of this week at least through the House, we should say. The House version of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, it's $1.9 trillion. Keep in mind, we haven't already spent the money that was passed in the last stimulus bill, which goes back to December. Critics call it a personal bailout for bureaucrats. What a great way to word that one. 
There's all kinds of different money that has been jammed into this and hidden as part of this. If you go to page 305, I mean, they really try to hide this in there. There's a new Treasury Department fund called the Emergency Federal Employee Leave Fund, $570 million, your taxpayer money. And this is what it would do. It would allow parents with children to stay at home for upwards of 15 weeks so they can take care of their kids during COVID. Um, Now, it doesn't really give any big restriction on how that could be used. If you have a kid at home, uh, you get to apply and you would be granted this. You'd be able to be enrolled in this and there'd be no recourse, no questions. It's just an additional, an additional money that would be added on top of any other benefits that you would have. Additional paid leave at $1,400 a week for 15 weeks. So let's just uh, get this straight. When they put this plan together, Pelosi is very much uh, out there touting this thing. Oh, this will be great. We're going to get relief to the American people. This is well needed. Keep in mind, she said, you only need one time payment of $1,400. But if you're a federal worker, you'd be eligible for 15 uh, payments of $1,400. And that's that's replacing their job meaning that they don't have to go to work or anything for it. They can sit at home with their kids, and that would be it. There's no stipulation of the age of the kid either. So hypothetically, it could be a college-age kid or a high school kid, a kid that you would trust to be home alone anyway, where you it's really not necessary for you to be there. But you'd get that additional paid leave that you could redeem, no questions asked, on top of your other benefits like your vacation or if you have sick time or anything else like that. Parental time, let's say you're having a baby, parental time would be part of that too. Now, here's some of the things that they have jammed into this. And this is one that is like, come on now, you got to be kidding me. So you're going to give a benefit to federal employees that they can sit at home for 21 weeks or whatever. No, 15 weeks, I should say. 15 weeks. Why? Tell me why that's justified in COVID spending, why that should be included. This is on top of the other things in the bill that include $15 an hour minimum wage, which they want to work down the line. It's not even something that's immediate, by the way. It's something they tear back up. So it's not to fight COVID. In fact, COVID will probably be gone and we'll be back to normal if by all estimates next year, summer 2022, um, this wouldn't even kick in. It'd be well past that time before they get to that $15 minimum federal wage. They also put in 30, no, $300 million to monitor animals for COVID. You don't hear a lot of animal to human COVID spread. You want to know why? Because we don't have that problem in the United States, but they want to spend $300 million to monitor it. $91 million to the Department of Education for student loans. Come on now. $135 $135 million to give an endowment to the arts, $135 million to the uh, humanities arts, uh, $200 million to the library system. Is that really necessary to fight COVID? I don't think so. They want to be able to spend a billion dollars to advertise the vaccination. They, they got to get the word out there, right? Because no one's talking about this. I mean, that's the thing when it comes to the uh, vaccinations and COVIDs. Not, I mean, no one, no one. It's like a speakeasy. You got to know the code because everyone's afraid to talk about it. So your television stations, the news, they're not talking about it. The celebrities, they're not talking about it. Radio stations, uh, websites, magazines, 
bus stop. I mean, there's, it's everywhere. Are you kidding me? Every single person's talking about this. You don't need to spend a billion dollars to get the word out there. Give me a break on that. $50 million for they call health services, which include abortions. Uh, so that's more taxpayer money towards abortions. $750 million for global health. That means outside of the United States. So we're going to do $750 million there. They want to give another $15 billion to the airlines, which, by the way, already received a lot of money in last year's bailout. This isn't something that is to, you know, hold them over. They already got that. Uh, $500 million for public health surveillance. How do you like the idea that the government is trying to put a half a billion dollars in order just to create a surveillance system to track and monitor your moves in the, in the sake of COVID. Am I missing um, anything else that may be in this bill? There are so many things that they have jammed in there. It doesn't surprise me that they would try to allow federal workers to get an additional 600 hours of a paid leave up to $1,400 a week. And you could be a parent of a newborn and say, well, I don't want to give my kid to, uh, I, don't, I don't want to send my kid to daycare, right? It could be even preschool or uh, not even at preschool yet. So, Having a newborn, great. I'll just take that uh, additional paid leave for 15 weeks on top of the maternity leave, which you already gave me, which I think is three months. That's 12 weeks. <laughs> so they're giving a lot of time off to these federal workers. You can't justify that being necessary as part of this COVID bill. And for everyone that's upset that, uh, oh, they told me I would vote for Joe Biden and they'd give me $2,000 and, uh, you know, all of these different lies that were fed to them. And they start to wake up to this idea that a lot of it is just uh, politicians lying to you. Just keep in mind, they think so much of you that they want to give you a one time payment of $1,400. But if you're a federal worker, hey, they'll give you 15 of those $1,400 payments, 15 of those payments to your one. That's how much you mean to them. So the House is going to look at this. It's set to vote. They announced that they're going to try to uh, put this on the agenda on Friday. I guess you could see some of it there. I think the Republicans are going to try to put something together, something a little bit more skinny because they realize that this is just out of control and it doesn't need to go. I think this might go down party lines in a lot of different ways. And a shame for all the politicians that vote for this if they just try to dangle out, hey, at least it has that individual check and, hey, you'll be able to get that. But they use that individual check as a way to try to jam everything else in there. Shame on every single one of those politicians that would vote to pass this through when they have all of these downsides to it. And there could be an alternative that's put in place in order to prevent that from happening. Republicans have continued to bulk at the price tag. Uh, Democrats are going to use a process known as budget reconciliation to pass the bill, which allows them to pass it in the Senate without any Republican votes. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, minority leader, slammed the bill saying it's too costly, too corrupt, and too liberal. All of those things, 100% accurate and 100% true. That's where it's at right now. I, I just hope it doesn't get down to this point where they say, okay, we're going to do $1.9 trillion now, and then by the summer, oh, man, we need some more money. And they use Uncle Sam as their sugar daddy once again, just yielding the power to try to cut out and try to call it bipartisan, and it's really not trying to sound like they worked with anyone, but it's really not. Keep in mind, all of this that's going to continue to add to the debt is definitely on the shoulders of the Biden administration here, and they're going to continue to make it worse. It's not going to get any better. That's so far the legacy. 
So when we come uh, back, we're going to have a couple of replay hours in the next few, and I think you'll really enjoy the replay hours. You're going to hear from Neil Daswani, who's a co-director of Stanford University's Advanced Security Certification Program, about his book upcoming called Big Breaches, Cybersecurity Lessons for Everyone. We'll also hear from Tom Sullivan, a local watchdog, about some of the things that are going on in the county. And just uh, people are upset about not only the $6 million to the PowerPlex, but what's going on with all this wasteful money when it comes to uh, attracting business to St. Louis. What have they done and what have they shown for it? All kinds of issues there. And otherwise, follow me on Facebook, Ryan Wrecker Radio. We can uh, hate Facebook together. Enjoy the rest of your night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.